welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. This is going to be another one of those episodes where I just speak from my heart. I'd like to talk a little bit about grief. If that's not your jam today, totally fine to skip this one. I know that some of us cope well by moving into difficult emotions. And some of us cope well by not, by saying, hey, I'm going to keep moving and not think about how I feel for a while. And I think over the long run, that repress and run strategy is potentially problematic. But in the short term, I totally get it. And I respect if that's what you need to do. So if you need to repress and just keep running, then that's all good. I, uh, I respect that choice. I'm sitting here in my house in my chair where I do most of my consulting and clinical work at this point. And I've had, I think, three or four consulting meetings this morning and one with an entrepreneur whose entire business disappeared overnight, one with an entrepreneur whose spouse is very sick with COVID-19, and one with an entrepreneur who lost her baby in a miscarriage. So I feel this really palpable sense of grief on behalf of all of those people. And I'm not sure that we're talking enough about grief. I think we use the word grief when we think about people who've died. And of course, that's happening too. (laughs) If we don't already, we will probably begin to know people who have died from this disease. But grief is also about all the things that we lose when things outside of our control disrupt our plans and intentions. And I don't know anyone who's not in some ways touched by grief during this pandemic, whether it's the kiddo who's not going to get to go to prom or not going to have their baseball season, or it's the entrepreneur whose business is plummeting or the coder who lost her job. Loss is all around us in a way that most of us have never, ever seen before. If you listen to the podcast, you, of course, know that I have been living in grief, thinking about grief for quite some time. I lost my dad to cancer a little over 18 months ago and my brother to suicide not quite a year ago. So grief has been my whole life in some ways. And I say that not to pretend to be some expert, but I say that because I get what it feels like when your throat is so tight you can't talk or your stomach is so nauseous you can't eat because you're sad. You're sad, angry, out of control. And I know what an incredibly uncomfortable feeling it is. Every single one of us is in grief over our plans, over our sense of well-being, over our freedom of movement, over our yoga studios and health clubs and favorite restaurants, 
our civilizations used to have really clear cultural practices around grief. When you lost someone that you love, you would wear black. You would not go to certain parties for a year. You would abstain from certain events. There was this clear cultural, social expectation around what it took to grieve. And it took time and space, sometimes some isolation. And there were these external cues, right? You would wear black. There was a sign that anyone who was meeting you or who was seeing you would say, oh, this person is in grief. They're bereaved. And, you know, as time has gone on, we've lost those universally accepted cultural practices around grief. And as someone who's spent a lot of time in grief, I kind of miss them. Like I miss the outside signal that, hey, all is not well. I'm slow to respond to my email. I might not be that vivacious at your party. I'm in grief. Grief is a really sacred time. It's a time of slowness. It's a time of tenderness. It's a time of tearfulness. It's also a time of storytelling. It's a time of gathering your people around you, literally or virtually, and talking about memories, talking about feelings, talking about what's been lost. Grief is a season where you spend a lot of time inside, inside your own mind, inside your own heart. Grief is a time when the busyness of building the world is on pause. And the work of your life becomes tending those wounds, tending your own wounds, tending the wounds of those around you who are also in grief. Ideally, we're very gentle with people who are in grief. We understand that their hearts are carrying a lot, that their lives are newly complicated, that they might be living in loneliness. They might be living in sadness. They might be living in uncertainty. So we're gentle, we're tender, we're helpful. We bring food by. I think what's particularly hard about what's happening right now is that the whole world is in grief at the same time. But we've not really named it for ourselves. There's pressure to keep moving. There's pressure to rise above. There's pressure to figure it out. And all of those things are good. I'm not suggesting that grief means that you just lay down and give up on your life. If you know me, you know that I've done more and accomplished more in my season of grief than, frankly, most people do on a normal day. So grief can also spark action. It can spark passion. It can spark advocacy. It doesn't mean you just roll over and stay still all the time. So we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be afraid that if we name our grief, if we allow ourselves the label, allow ourselves the quiet space, allow ourselves the darkness. We don't have to be afraid that it will overtake us, but I think we do have to be afraid of what happens if we squash it down so violently that we never tend to the wounds that live within us. That internal violence is more dangerous to us than we realize. Grief means naming what we lost. It means naming or talking about the plans that we did have that we won't get to see come to fruition. Maybe the child that we wanted to have that we won't get to see or meet in person. 
the business that we built, that we loved, that we gave our sweat and blood and time and energy and creativity to, that we won't get to see grow. It means naming the people that we miss being in the room with. When we feel into our grief and name it, it also shows us what's most important. Today I'm wearing my, uh, my dad's flannel shirt. It's a men's size extra large. It's pretty big on me. <laughs> it's funny, after he died, my mom kept saying, you know, come by the house and, and sort of take what you want. And the things that I wanted were not the things that anybody would have expected, I suppose. I, uh, I took this flannel shirt. I took a pair of sweatpants. I took from his desk a Ziploc bag full of Sharpies and another Ziploc bag full of highlighters. And I took like 15 sticky pads. I also took his high school ring. And I think that's about it. That was the things that I wanted were the things that, like the flannel shirt, which feels like a hug. Or the sweatpants that I just remember him wearing while we sit around and watch football. The highlighters and the Sharpies, because those were the things that just, he was big on labeling things and highlighting things and color coordinating, very, very organized human. Those things just remind me of him. So when I use his Sharpie or wear his flannel shirt, it, it is that sense of his presence, his very specific presence. And the specificity helps me in the grief. But when you're not specific, when you don't name, hey, I'm going to miss watching football with my dad, or I'm going to miss hugs from him, or I'm going to miss his ridiculously well-organized approach to everything. I don't know what I'm grasping for, but because I did the work to think about it and really consider what of his do I really need to hold on to, that helped me be more careful and specific in my grief about what I needed to help me bridge from the season of darkness, of grieving, to the season of remembering with a smile. And so I wonder what those things are for you, the specific things that you are losing or have lost because of the pandemic that you need to name, that you need to honor, that you need to remember. Maybe you need a transitional object, whether it was that 20th anniversary trip to Hawaii you had planned, or it means framing the logo of your business just as you would frame the photo of someone that you loved who's passed on. Letting yourself have some physical objects that anchor you to the feeling of grief can help it be more concrete. So first is name it, write it down, talk it out, say to someone, hey, can I just sit down and tell you about all of the things that I feel like I'm losing right now? Name it. Second is memorialize it. That's what wearing the flannel shirt is to me. I need a hug from my dad today, so I'm wearing his shirt. There's a physical object. There's a thing that you do, a thing that you hold, a thing that you look at that helps to give concrete three-dimensional meaning to the feeling that lives inside of you. The third thing that I think is really important in grief that's tricky right now is communalizing it. So we've got naming it, memorializing it, communalizing it, which means sharing it, talking about it, reaching out to other business owners who are having similar challenges, reaching out to other parents who've lost a child in a similar way, 
reaching out across this space of social media, time, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever, to other people who are either also grieving what you're grieving or at least can be empathetic and join you in your grief. One of the things that I often hear people say about funerals is, oh man, the the church was packed or the hall was full. All of these people showed up to honor my grandma or my grandpa. And when we come out in force for each other and we show up to support other people's grief, it's a way of saying, hey, I honor what you've lost. I care that you've lost this. And my heart supports your heart or I join with you. One thing that is abundantly clear is, is none of us are going through this by ourselves. We are part of a large world of people who are losing and have lost really significant things from businesses to lives to plans. Grief is deeply powerful and it can wreak havoc in our inner worlds when we don't carefully attend to it. I feel like it is somewhat like the psychological equivalent of internal bleeding. It is a wound, and if it's ignored, it becomes pretty dangerous to our psyche. The thing about grief is that it requires deep courage. It requires that we stop numbing, stop avoiding, stop distracting, stop repressing, stop pretending, and we face it head on. In this conversation earlier today with this woman who'd lost her pregnancy and a miscarriage, I invited her to write a letter to this baby and invited her to just tell the baby all that she was hoping for and then felt when she realized that she wasn't going to get to meet this baby. And I realized that that is a horrendously painful thing to do. I realize that that is not a really compassionate, feel-good hug of a clinical session with your psychologist. I asked her to go right into the middle of it. And I'll tell you the truth, I don't know any other way. Whether it's trauma or grief, I don't know any other way than to tell the absolute truth about it and walk right into the middle of it as much as this season of our lives is inviting us to learn how to grieve, it is also inviting us to learn how to be courageous. And that is such a tricky word because it's the language of heroes and Tolkien and grand stories of grand gestures in wartime. Oh, but courage has such wide application now. Whether it's the physicians who are going to work, the nurses who are going to work without the proper equipment, or it's all of us in our hearts where we decide to show up to our own inner world, to our own feelings, to tell the truth about what hurts. My nightmare scenario for this pandemic is that we all emerge more addicted to alcohol, less healthy in our bodies, more addicted to other kinds of numbing behaviors, whether it's gambling or shopping or porn or video games, more aggressive with our children and our spouses, and less connected to what's meaningful to us. That's a pretty sad outcome. And in a way, I feel that that is the outcome of unaddressed grief, where we have 
repressed, hidden, numbed, denied to the point that we've not been able to find the courage to sit with and face the things that hurt. I think that we are all braver than we give ourselves credit for. And I think that we can cultivate courage like we can build any muscle. So please don't check out. Please don't shut it down. Let yourself grieve. Be brave enough to grieve well with your full heart. I think that's the only way to move forward in a healing way. I don't know who you are (laughs) or where you're listening to this. I don't know if we've met or not met, but from this really deep, authentic place, I'm just sending you some love. Please know that you are not alone in this and that you have everything that you need inside of you to come out the other side and still be a person that you are proud of, living a life that you love. I believe that that's possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.